other day, and I still remember the first day I held him, to be honest. Uh, it's one of those moments you don't forget, holding your firstborn. And I have three kids, if you don't know. Uh, one is 11, one is 8, and one is 4. And the 4-year-old, the very next morning, comes up to me and is holding literally a present. I'm in the fridge, as I always am in the morning. And uh, she's, she's holding a present. She's like, Daddy, I want a present. Because it's a lot for a four-year-old to see her big brother get all these presents in one day and, 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 and not get a present. She had stolen a present from under the tree. It was not her present. It actually had Ben's name on it. She's like, Daddy, I want a present. And she's, if you, if you know a four-year-old, how many four-year-olds you know can whine a little bit? Oh yeah, they can bring the wine, baby. They can bring it like it's Merlot, okay? They are, she is wine. She's like, Daddy. And I'm like, baby, you gotta be patient. You know, Christmas time's coming. And she's like, but I want a present now. What's funny is my daughter's name is Hope and she's not very good at deferring her hope. It's an oxymoron. I don't expect much. I mean, she's four years old. The scripture actually says in Proverbs 13 verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It says, but a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. Well, let me give you the fatherhood translation of this. You ever heard of the fatherhood translation of the Bible? Yeah, there is none. But let me tell you, I've just created it. And here's what it says. When hope is deferred, she tried to make daddy sick with guilt and harassment. That's my translation of the Bible, the fatherhood translation. Christmas is all about gifts, isn't it? It's all about gifts. And what's strange is... I, I, I began to talk last night, it's, it's, there's five categories of gifts, but actually, I think there's six, and I'm going to unpack that in a second, but I believe that there's five categories of gifts, but I may add a sixth one, depending on it. How many of you ever had one of those gifts you're excited about? Right? Uh, one of my daughters uh, recently got a Barbie dream house. I think that was two years ago. And when she got it, she begins to rip open the, the packaging and so forth. And then she starts pounding on it. She was like, I got a Barbie dream house. And I had it on camera. And she was screaming. And I should have showed you the, the, the flick of it. My wife has bought me a, a snowboard one time. And so lots of people, they don't even like snow. I love when snow comes. Why? It means I'm going snowboarding. It's those gifts you're excited about. Then there's those gifts that are kind of pleasant, isn't it? There's the pleasant gifts. You're like, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Lovely. It's like a t-shirt, it's a sweater, it's socks, undies. How many guys you're still holding on? You got three more days until you get some more socks and undies. Praise God. Okay, all your socks and undies got holes in them, but someone's going to come along and give you some socks and undies. You're like, oh, that's nice. Thank you. Because the other ones are disgusting and should be burnt forevermore. I'll tell you a funny moment, my, my mother-in-law many years ago, uh, she was not my mother-in-law at the time, I, was, I think I was engaged to Miriam, and uh, I had these undies that just had lots of holes in them. And she held them up one day, because she was doing my laundry in front of Miriam, and she's like, they had holes in it all over. She was like, these don't do anything. There's no reason for their existence. You do you, I'll do me, okay? Buy me sex, buy me undies, and I'll fix that, right? <laughs> then there's the unusual gifts you get. You ever get an unusual gift? You're like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Recently, a couple of years ago, I bought my wife a pair of shoes. And I'm not the best gift buyer, to be honest. Um, I was like, when I bought the shoes, I literally like, she's either really going to like them, or she's really not. And I was a little bit nervous, so I gave her the gift. And then her friend was over, and as soon as she opened the shoes... Her friend starts laughing. 
And I'm like, she's not going to like those. And she just looked at me like, why'd I marry you? She didn't say that. She just thought that internally, right? Um, then there's the, the disappointing gift. You ever had a disappointing gift? I was talking to a friend a number of years ago. I, my first job, a second job outside of college, I was in sales there for a while. And a guy was telling me how him and his girlfriend actually broke up. She had been saying to him, listen, this relationship needs to go somewhere. needs to have a destination. And if a woman is saying that, how many know, you know what she's talking about. So she said, by Christmas, if I don't have an engagement ring, this thing is not going anywhere. It was Christmas morning. They are unpacking gifts. And the girlfriend is literally looking like, where's the ring at? There was no ring. She literally looked at him and said, get out. Get out. That's the disappointing gift. There was no engagement ring. And then there's the re-gift. The re-gift is the gift. You're like, oh, that's nice for someone else. You don't say that, of course, unless you're a hateful person. Um, but there's the re-gift, isn't there? And I actually went last year. I didn't even know this was a thing. I went to a re-gift party. Re-gift, what's a re-gift party? It's where you take the gifts that you didn't want and you go to another party and you see if anyone else wants them. But then I realized something else is that there's not just a re-gift party. We took our re-gift and brought it to that party. No one took it. So it was, went from a re-gift to a rejected gift. Like that's the sixth kind of gifts. Does that make sense? And how many of you know that gifts are... Yeah, they're obvious. You get given gifts, but we have so many gifts in our lives that are unseen. They're so obvious that we take them for granted. That's why the power of Thanksgiving is an incredible time of year where you literally take time to think of the many, many gifts that you and I have. Did you know today that breath is a gift? You didn't create... How many of you ever made oxygen? You made carbon dioxide? I didn't think so, right? Breath itself is a gift. Life itself is a gift. Every day is actually a gift. The energy that you have to walk into this room is a gift. The ground actually we stand in. We have a third rock from the sun. It's a gift. You didn't make it. You showed up and it's here, baby. The life we get to live is a gift. Every, every talent, whatever you're good at, whatever it is that you are good at, you saw some people who got rhythm and can sing and they're good at that. That is a gift. Yeah. Listen to what Acts chapter 17 verse 24 says. It says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Paul is speaking to a group of people who have an understanding of religion, an understanding of God, but they are incorrect in their philosophy. And he is educating them and teaching them for a moment. And he says this, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs. For he has no needs. He himself Speaking of God, gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. Everything you have is a gift. Sometimes my wife and I will have a discussion. Sometimes some would refer to that as an argument. I like to call it a theological discussion. We have a discussion. We say, babe, who's doing, who's putting the kids to bed tonight? And if you're a parent in here, you kind of know that because there's a struggle to put the kids to sleep. 
You just think when you, when, you, when, you, when you don't have kids, you're just like, oh, you just put them upstairs. No, no, no. There's this whole thing that goes on for about 45 minutes of brushing the teeth and getting pajamas and now read me th seven stories and, and tell me three jokes and all kinds of stuff. And then, they, then they, they're like, hey, I need some water. And you feel like you're finished and you're not finished yet. And they're like, daddy, I'm hungry. You're like, you are not hungry. You've never been hungry. And if you don't cut it out, I'm going to cut something out. And so occasionally my wife and I will have this discussion like, who's putting the kids to bed tonight? And she will, she will say something like this. I gave you three kids. Which is, if you're a man in here, that's woman speak for, it ain't me tonight. It means you are getting your butt upstairs and I put my body through enough. <laughs> See, the truth is that the truth is the greatest gift you and I ever receive isn't something, but it's someone. The truth is the greatest gift you and I ever receive isn't something, but it's what? It's, it's someone. I don't know how many of you watch Home Alone during the Christmas time season. I don't know if it's even Christmas if you haven't watched Home Alone yet. Is it really even Christmas? But anyway, there's a moment in the movie where she's on the plane. She's like, I forgot something. I forgot something. She's sitting there. She's, Kevin! <laughs> and when she yells, Kevin! All of a sudden, everything changes. Everyone goes from spoiled little brats going to France on, on, on this amazing trip. And they're in first class. And the, the kids are back there. And they're, they're grumpy. And all of a sudden, they get on mission, don't they? Because they realize that the most important thing in the world is not something. It is someone. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Do you know that all, of all the gifts that God ever gave you and God gave me, none of them cost him anything except one. Of everything that God has ever given you, breath and life. None of them cost him anything. He literally spoke and worlds were created. But there is one gift that cost him something. It is the gift of his son, Jesus. Luke chapter 1 verse 32 or 30 says this, Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Verse 32 says, He will be very great. Someone say very great. He will be very great and he'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors, David. And he will reign over Israel forever. And his kingdom will never end. I want you to pay attention to that for a moment. It says, and he will reign forever. You see, there will be a time when Jesus comes back and he will put all the wrong things right. But what he wants to do is reign in your heart and reign in my heart. There are 2.3 billion people on the planet today who call Jesus not just the Son of God, but God the Son because they've allowed him to reign in their heart. What's interesting about God is that God often takes moments to teach people lessons that he still reigns. A, a French philosopher called Voltaire was famous as saying this in 100 years, in the 1800s, here's what he said. He said, in 100 years, he says, Christianity will be dead. He said this in the 1800s. What's interesting is that the Bible Society, funnily enough, bought his house and then printed 
Bibles from his home. Isn't it unusual that God has a funny sense of humor? When people get really arrogant and prideful, he's like, you know what? Let's take your house and you're going to be dead and I'm going to print the Bible in there. (laughs) His kingdom will never end. Do you know that he is the only person to ever live whose primary reason for living was dying? He is the only person to ever live whose primary reason for living is dying, but he didn't stay dead, thank God. He didn't stay dead. He resurrected from the grave so that you and I could not just trust a good moral teacher, but the one who overcame sin and death and hell itself. I saw this recently. It was... It says, tis the season, and it's kind of speaking, obviously, of Christmas season. But then it had this little crown next to it that said, tis the reason. He is the only person to ever live whose primary reason for living was dying. God was willing to have his heart broken so that your heart could be healed. God was willing to turn away from his son so that he might turn to you and turn to me. God was willing to have his son die so that you might live. God was willing to have his son come down that you might go up. It's called the great exchange, that God literally exchanged the best of himself so that he could get the worst of us to make us the best of ourselves. Are you with me? But I found it that gifts can be taken for granted. Gifts can be ignored. Gifts can become familiar, can't they? You can become so used to a certain gift that you literally become familiar. Have you ever looked at your phone? And obviously we're in the age of technology and and we can access information like no other generation ever. But if for some reason you walk into a building and the Wi-Fi connection is not as fast as you would like and it took 2.3 seconds instead of 0.3 seconds, you start getting frustrated. Do you remember, you act, my mother actually is here today from Australia, and back in the day, my mom used to sell encyclopedias. You would buy, spend thousands of dollars to have encyclopedias in your house, and now it's on our phone. But you can't become familiar. And the problem sometimes with the faith, the problem many times with Christianity, if you grow up in a Christian or Catholic background, is that we become so familiar with the story is that we miss the power of the story. We miss the essence of the story. We miss the wonder of the story. It is the story above every other story. See, the gift can be taken for granted. The gift can be ignored. The gift can become familiar. And the gift can become trifle or token. I want to tell you a story that uh, is a true story of the 1800s. A young, sorry, a, a poor South African farmer was, had a small little house and he had an ox and, and um, he would work his, his fingers to the bone. He really had a, a meager existence and In the 1800s, a lot of diamond and gold stories began to circulate around the world. And and a traveler came by and told this man, his name was Ali Afid. He was a poor farmer. And they said, listen, if you will go to a place in India where these two mountains meet and there's this stream going down, you'll just put your hand in and out will come diamonds. And you'll never have to struggle for the rest of your life. 
And he said, and he began to dream and, and think about diamonds and think about gold. And all of a sudden, he one day he says, honey, I'm done with this. He sells his farm and he travels to India. He doesn't find any diamonds in India. And he ends up searching his entire life, the continent of India, the continent of Africa. And he gets to the point where he's, he's poor and he's broke. And he sends a letter to his wife and he says, there are no diamonds anywhere. And he jumps into a river literally to kill himself. Well, the interesting story about this man is that one day he sold his farm. And the farmer bought his little place and it was acres and acres and it was a poor place. And one day he's, 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 he's farming the land, he's working hard. And for months he found himself having to grab these black rocks and throw them to the side because they were getting in the way of his farm. And there were literally hundreds, if not thousands, of these black rocks. So one day he grabs one of the black rocks, but he found this one black rock, the sun hit it. And he said this rainbow type kind of picture came out of it. He's like, wow, this one is quite special. So he puts it on the mantle of his home where the fireplace is. Well, one day a priest came along to welcome him to the community and just chat with him. And they're talking and talking. And then as they're talking, the priest looks over on the fireplace and he sees this huge rock, this huge black rock. And he looks at the farmer and says, where did you get that? He's like, oh, that thing. I got hundreds and hundreds of those things everywhere all throughout my farm. They keep getting in my way. And he said, do you realize what you have? You have a diamond in the rough. He said that literally became the Rotunda Diamond Mine. The wealthiest diamond mine in all of the history of the world. And a farmer sold it for just a few hundred dollars. And he went searching the world for diamonds. And he didn't realize that he literally owned acres of diamonds. And I want to suggest to you today that the message of Christ is sometimes like that. It can seem like it's kind of surrounded by rumor sometimes and blackness sometimes and you heard something about someone and you heard you if you ever watched if you ever watch tv which i'm so, sure some of you do from time to time the only time the tv will ever put anything on about a church is scandal the only time but I want to suggest to you today that under that unraveling that you and I many times have to do is the greatest gift ever imaginable. It is the greatest gift on this planet. There is no gift like this gift. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 13 verse 44. He says the kingdom of heaven. He said it is like a treasure. It isn't kind of, it is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought that field. Isn't it amazing you can overlook the greatest gift? If I was to offer you today the gift of salvation or one billion dollars, I wonder which one you would choose. If I was to offer you today $10 billion or the gift of salvation, I wonder which one you would choose. Yeah. See, the devil came one day to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and he said, I will give you all of the riches of this world if you will bow down and worship me. But Jesus saw through the devil's lies and he saw into that the value of the kingdom of God is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. See, the gift is not something but someone. 
The gift is not something. It's not, it's not God doesn't just want to give you church. He wants to give you himself. The gift is, the gift of God is generous. It is glorious. It is the greatest gift to every generation, not just one generation. The gift is imperishable. The gift is immortal, but it is often imitated, but never duplicated. It builds faith. It builds family. It builds fathers. The gift is trustworthy and the gift is true. Can I get a good amen? Amen. But when you and I receive a gift, we cannot just put our arms out and receive it. We must unravel it. We must continue to unravel it because many of you in here today, you've received this gift. But can I encourage you and can I ask you, are you continuing to unravel the gift so that the diamond of the house of God, so that the diamond of Jesus, so that the gift of Jesus, so that the gift of his grace becomes more to you and more special to you and not less and less special because you've heard that before. Are you with me, Church of Life? 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Why did Jesus come? The angel said to Mary, You shall have a son and you shall call him Jesus. And it says, He shall save His people from their sins. See, I found about the gift, it's grace, but the gift must be individually received. The gift brings forgiveness. And the gift actually brings um, toughness in troubled times. I found that the gift of the Father's house. See, the gift is the gift of righteousness. But then God gives us a gift called the house of God. Do you know that the very word Father in the Hebrew means strength of the house? And I found that if you'll make Him the strength of your house, then you will become the strength of your house. We must not just value the gift, but we must value the Father's house. For everything within the Father's house, God wants to teach you. God wants to equip you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to put purpose in you. Let me give you statistical facts. Statistics say that 50% of people divorce. 50%. But if you just attend church weekly, it drops to 12%. 12%. But if you pray regularly and read your Bible regularly, do you know it drops under 1%? What does that mean? It means that you are the, the, the strength of a home is the strength of their faith. Yeah. The strength of a house is actually the strength of the Father. Yeah. He is the Father of our strength. He is the strength of our house. Yes. Can I get a good amen? amen? See, what God does is He reveals Himself to you and to me through His names. God has so many names that he, it, it is the attributes of God. And so let me try and unravel unravel and unwrap it for you today see i believe that god is both indescribable but he is describable in other words all of human eloquence can give no justice to truly who he is i can tell you about him but you need to see him by faith you need to experience him in your spirit let me do my best to unwrap this incredible gift And try and describe the one who is indescribable. One man put it like this. Jesus is the bread of life so that bakers can understand. You see, you've got to understand about God. God reveals himself through often your need. See, he comes to Moses and he says, he he literally says, who do I say that you am? He's like, tell him I am. And that's very confusing. 
Have you ever walked up to someone and, and they're like, who are you? And you're like, I am. You're like, what, what, what do you mean, I am? You're like, I am. In other words, what he was saying is, whatever you are, whatever you need, Moses, I will be that for you. So whatever need you're going through right now, do you lack purpose? God will fill you with purpose. Do you lack faith? God will fill you with faith. But let me say this, Jesus is the bread of life so that bakers can understand. Jesus is the water of life so that plumbers can understand. Jesus is the light of the world so that electricians can understand. Jesus is the cornerstone so that architects can understand. Jesus is life so that biologists can understand. Jesus is the great physician so that doctors and nurses can understand. Jesus is the good teacher so that educators and students can understand. Jesus is the son of righteousness so that astronomers can understand. Jesus is the hidden treasure so that bankers can understand. Jesus is the lily of the valley so that florists can understand. Jesus is the rock of ages so that geologists can understand. Jesus is the true vine so that horticulturists can understand. Jesus is the righteous one so that judges and lawyers can understand. Jesus is the pearl of great price so that bankers can understand. Jesus is wisdom so that philosophers and students can understand. Jesus is the word so that actors can understand. Jesus is the good shepherd so that farmers can understand. Jesus is the word so that texters can understand. (laughs) Just made that one up right now. Jesus is the king of, Jesus is the alpha and the omega so that scientists can understand Steve Rosek. Jesus is the king of kings so that royalty can understand. Not sure I've got any royalty in here, but let's keep on moving. Jesus is the way so that traffic wardens and traffic workers could understand. Jesus is the truth so that politicians can understand. Always get the little laughter on that one. <laughs> yep. Jesus is the resurrection so that funeral directors can understand. Jesus is the gift. Sorry. Jesus is the gift, and the gift is not something, but it is someone. Can I have the worship team to come on back, if they're not already? Let me tell you what the gift is. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 says this. It says, My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation, and He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. i got some amazing news for you today, and i got a little bit of bad news. The amazing news is God wants to give you a gift called righteousness. But the bad news is you can't earn it. But the good news is you don't have to. So you can't earn the gift of righteousness. It is a clothing that only God Himself can give you. See, Jesus didn't die on a cross to make moral people, immoral people good. He made a, he died on a cross so that dead spiritually people might come alive. And I wonder today, listen to what Psalm 27 verse 1 says. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He says, whom shall I fear? He says, the Lord is the strength of my life. He says, whom shall I be afraid? You know, the treasure that the man, 
sold everything and he didn't realize that right in front of him was the treasure. And I wonder today if there's some people here that have, yes, you're in church, but have you individually received the gift that God wants to give you? I want to suggest one other thought before I close today. The wise men were not wise because they followed the star. The wise men were wise because they kept following. And in America today, in Christianity today, there are too many people that say, I've received the gift, but you question whether they've received the gift because they don't continue to follow like the wise men did. See, Jesus must follow and he must change your path. See, when he gives you a gift called righteousness and you see it, he has to change your path. You have to turn a different way. The wise men came and they followed the star and they found the person of Christ and then they worshiped. But then as they went to leave, the God began to guide them and he began to guide them to a different path. Why? Because there was danger in the path they were following. Have you received the gift of life, but have you continued to follow? So all across this place, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head in a moment. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And that prayer for some of you will be the first moment where you say, Jesus, it was my mom's religion. It was my dad's religion. It was my mom's faith. It was my dad's faith. But can I ask you a question? Is it your faith? Have you individually received the greatest gift ever imagined? And you can do that by faith. So close your eyes with me. We're going to pray a simple prayer and that prayer will connect you to the greatest gift but the gift is the person. All across this place, let's pray. So dear Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross, rising from the dead. You are the gift that keeps on giving. So today, by faith I receive you I turn to you I trust in you I ask you for the gift of Christmas in my heart in my life and I will be like a wise man that continues to follow for the rest of my life in Jesus name